Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Michael Sun, and this is Saved for Later, the podcast from Guardian Australia. I'm Steph Harmon. And I'm Alex Gorman. And this week we're bringing you the joy from our feeds. Very specific joy, mining for joy. Specifically, we're talking about TikTok and the true angels who spend their time there finding the best, funniest, most joyful videos and bringing them to us on the platforms we're not actually scared of. And later, Michael will explain why every Instagram bedroom looks the same and what it says about us. And just a heads up, there is some swearing in this episode, but in our defense, it's mostly unavoidable. You will hear what we mean. So in lockdown, I'm sure we all started noticing TikTok creeping into our lives, sometimes without even having downloaded the app. These videos seem to be coming to us from every direction on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and we wanted to know why. So we've actually asked someone to look into this for us. I recently commissioned a story about TikTok creeping onto other feeds, which is going to be out soon. So you're hearing it here first. Exclusive. From a great journalist, Rashna Farooq. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. So Rashna is a writer, an audio producer, and famously a DJ. <laughs> and she has become somewhat obsessed with TikTok joy mining. And much like you, Steph, Rashna doesn't watch TikToks on TikTok. Rashda, how do you watch TikToks? Only on other people's Instagram stories and like very specifically Instagram stories, not reels. Steph, is this your experience also? So I think actually one of my favorite TikTok curations is not from a TikTok star, but a journalist editor, Corey Seeker. He's currently the editor at large of New York Magazine. And he's only done this a couple of times and I followed him on Instagram beforehand. So it came up in my stories, but he basically had curated what seemed to be like maybe a hundred of his favorite TikToks from the last six months into an endless stream. I think it took about an hour. I watched the whole thing at once in one go, his entire story, and was laughing so hard by the end of it. It just brought me this endless amount of joy and it saved to his Instagram. So I even go back and revisit it. But after that experience, I was like, well, firstly, how did he do it? Like, how is he saving all these TikToks? Where is he keeping them? How does he find them? But also, how can I find more people like him to follow? Because I know his sense of humor. I've read so much of his writing and loved it and know that we have the same kind of taste in stuff. So he's perfect for me to follow for this. But I wanted to find more people. I feel like I have a very similar experience in that I'm not on the platform 
at all because I feel like I have a very contrarian streak within me that's like, I'm never going to get TikTok. But I keep seeing TikToks come up on Flex Mommy's story, specifically someone who we had on the pod last week. And she posts this very specific brand of cursed TikTok content. But Rashna, in your article, you're talking specifically about people who post joy TikToks. They're joy miners, as you describe them. Yes. Well, one person that I talk about is a joy miner and the other person posts like the most like chaotic, unhinged content. And it just like, Mm -hmm. there's something within me that like needs it. And it's almost therapeutic. Like it's like other people are also thinking this way and feeling this way, but able to kind of get all these complicated, darker, I sort of, sort of emotions and like put them out in really creative, funny ways. Can you give an example of the kind of feeling that you're relating to that you're seeing in these chaotic TikToks? Oh my gosh. Okay. So there's this one TikTok that I wish I could play for you right now. You know, the Olivia Rodrigo song, like maybe I'm not just like, not, maybe I'm not as interesting as the girls you've seen before. Beautiful rendition. Maybe I'm just not as interesting as the girls you have. Right. And it's like that sound, but like this girl, she's not even doing anything. She's just like, she's just holding the camera on her face. And the caption just says, I couldn't relate to this because I'm actually a psycho. And (laughs) there's another TikTok, which was really, really funny to me. And it was basically, there's this very hit Bollywood song, um, Desi Girl, very, very famous. And it was like playing and um, it was this guy just like, you know how Scott Morrison loves to cook a curry? (laughs) And then he shared like his, like, he was like, when I cook a curry, like I like to listen to Spotify's Daisy Bangers list. Yep. And this guy, it was just him, like, <laughs> him listening to the music and then just laughing at, while scrolling through this. And it was just funny. It was so simple, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. so funny. One particular place that I've noticed a lot of my favourite off-platform TikToks, aka the particularly chaotic and cursed ones appearing, is in some of the smaller shitposting accounts I follow on Instagram. So I'm talking... Michael, wait, wait. Step back a second. Step back a second. For the olds in the room. <laughs> What is a shitposting account? <laughs> a shitposting account is, you know, as was reported on beautifully by Taylor Lorenz um, in the New York Times, which is actually the first time the word shitposting was used in the Times. They're this genre of account that's really risen up in the past year or so, I'd say. They're mostly run by late teens, so people who are, who are, who are Gen Z. And a lot of them built their name off just really cursed text posts. So I'm talking <laughs> literal screenshots of text that have been written on Instagram story or a particular genre of post is... Can, can you just take one more step back <laughs> and explain what you mean by cursed text? This is so hard to explain. So I, so I think by cursed text, I essentially mean... Like a good example is what Rushner said earlier, being like, I can't relate to this because I'm a psychopath. Or it's deeply antisocial or concerning <laughs> or quite sociopathic. And then it's just like the most unfiltered thoughts of your mind. <laughs> You're like stuck in your house for a whole year. Like imagine the thoughts that come out. It, should, it shouldn't be out there, you know? <laughs> One of my favourite accounts is called Life's a Bender on Instagram and they just posted a shitposting post today saying, you're in his DMs, he's in my bed drinking hot cocoa with a little marshmallows <laughs> in it. So essentially there is like no joke. <laughs> but... 
sometimes shit posting <laughs> is just funny because of the context in, in which it's presented. It's it looks like a meme, it sounds like a meme, but ultimately it's nothing. <laughs> so what's happening is that these shit posting accounts have increasingly started to post TikToks um, on onto their main grid that have a similar energy to this shit posting text. So for example, another one from Life's a Bender. Two days ago, it's just a screenshot of a TikTok which reads, reasons why I'm a walking red flag, with a whole bunch of reasons why they're a red flag. Um, And often they're posted in a series (laughs) of photos in a photo album on Instagram. So I guess I would call this a photo dump even. And these are becoming more popular as well. And they're kind of interspersed with the already existing shitposting aesthetic of these accounts. So that's kind of roasting the TikTokers in a way, isn't it? It's very much roasting. This sounds a lot like one of my favourite Instagram TikTok miners, Fave TikToks 420, which uh, is curated by a young photographer in New York, Leah Josfay, um, and it's almost exclusively just her ripping on cringy content from famous TikTokers, um, predominantly e-boys, which is that very weird genre of teen boys with big emotions and big fringes and crucifix earrings and no shirts. I heard you were worrying about yourself a little bit more and worrying a little bit less on what everyone else thinks. I just wanted to remind you that that's fucking beautiful. Keep it up. But the comments she posts them with on Instagram are what make them so funny. I mean, it's a bit mean, but it's like when it comes up on my feed filled with people that I like and who are similar to me and I see suddenly these e-boys and her posts which are just ripping them to shreds. It's quite funny. I can explain to you pretty simply why you're seeing so much TikTok on other platforms, which is that unlike every other social media app, TikTok makes it super easy to download and share content from TikTok onto other platforms. With TikTok, the standard setting is that anyone can download a TikTok and repost it anywhere else. And part of that is to facilitate collaboration on the platform. So you can't edit over a video if you can't download the video. But part of that is also because it makes the content more shareable. And I think that's why TikTok has grown so much as a platform is it is so, so easy to share it in ways that no social media platform has done before. Yeah. And I was speaking to a specialist about this. I spoke to an expert. Her name's Belinda Barnett. Um, She's at Swinburne. And she was like, yes, they've actually kind of capitalized on this. They've done what other apps haven't done where like every app basically has some sort of way to reshare content on the app. So um, Twitter, you can retweet. Um, Tumblr, you can repost. Instagram doesn't. (laughs) Instagram doesn't. Instagram doesn't. It's so annoying, right? (laughs) But TikTok is just, they've like kind of realized that if they not only allow people to reshare content on TikTok, but like reshare it onto other platforms, they can grow their own audience. So more people will download TikTok. Speaking about the technology on TikTok, I think one facet as well that's quite interesting is the TikTok algorithm, which this is a reason that anecdotally me and some other TikTok, you you know, like people who have like dipped their feet into the waters and have like jumped out quickly. The reason (laughs) it can be hard to use at first is the algorithm is not tailored to you and it can take time for the algorithm to actually learn who you are. But with these Instagram curators of TikToks, you're getting someone else's algorithm essentially you're getting their view of what their tiktok is like and sometimes i can trust those people more than i trust myself do you have that same experience rashna 
A hundred percent. And I think that's what Steph was saying earlier, right? Like it's, it's usually people I've already been following. So it's not someone I've found later on. So the people that I've spoken to in the article, Amber and my friend Jeanette, all have like a shared sense of humor. I already trust them uh, in certain ways. Like there's a reason I follow them in the first place, you know? And then like, I'll just sit there and just watch the curations. And it's like, they've already kind of done the hard work they've like because they, they've told me that every now and again TikTok will still throw something at them that is completely not their style because it's just viral and I don't have to deal with that they just give me the best content and it's just like it's so good and I will sit there for and watch every single little um you know it's like the Morse code kind of Instagram story where you're like oh my god this is gonna take so long <laughs> this is gonna go forever <laughs> yeah but you do it so I've actually gone through the effort of training my TikTok algorithm and much like training a dragon, it is a very time-consuming and occasionally cursed process. And what is fascinating to me about using TikTok is how quickly it can figure out certain things about you. Like TikTok figured out my sexuality fairly quickly and that is something that I don't talk about very often. TikTok figured out the particular way in which I was neurodiverse fairly quickly in a really frightening way. There are some things about it it hasn't, about me, it hasn't figured out yet. For instance, it thinks I'm much more interested in cats than I am. But when people are taking content from their own For You page, given just how much TikTok seems to be able to figure out about who you are and sharing it to a wider audience, it feels almost like exposing a secret private part of yourself. I mean, in the case of one of our colleagues, Matilda Bosley, she wrote about this, that the For You page sets you up on an infinite scroll of content that is at first randomised content and it watches what you're watching and then serves you similar stuff. And what she kept being stalled in her scroll by were women discussing the symptoms of their ADHD. This was something that Matilda said she'd not ever heard before, other women talking about ADHD. But what that shows as well is if she had started reposting everything that was in her For You page onto her Instagram, all of her Instagram followers would have been like, huh, is Matilda trying to tell us something? (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of curious as to what is the extent of this kind of curation on on Instagram. Are we talking like entire accounts dedicated to just sharing TikToks or um, are you more kind of seeing individual people just like share, say like a few TikToks a week on their personal stories? It's certainly something that I'm seeing a lot from both kind of professionalised curators and from normal people that sharing a series of TikToks has become really commonplace and people are using TikToks on other platforms as a tool of self-expression. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's what's like super interesting. It's like TikTok to me at least, like fosters this um, creativity and this ability to talk about the less perfect parts of our life. And obviously Instagram is hyper idealized and hyper perfect, but Instagram provides that kind of community and a way of talking to each other about this. So then when you take that really like unhinged kind of content and then you put it onto your story, you can actually talk to your followers and talk to your friends about it. And they might've experienced similar things or they might find it relatable. And that opens up that conversation that TikTok doesn't necessarily foster on their platform. It feels like what we've we've been talking about, this kind of compilation of TikToks and of these videos, it seems like this is not a particularly new phenomenon to me. And in fact, I think if I cast my mind back to even, say, the Vine era, I remember I, 
I wasn't that active on Vine either, but I would spend hours at night watching YouTube compilations of like the funniest Vines or like Gabriel Gundaka Vines um, for no reason in particular. But those compilations still exist on YouTube for TikToks as well. And like God knows how many I've watched to like learn a TikTok dance because I am a geriatric Gen Z who only watches TikTok for the dances. (laughs) And those YouTube videos are very specifically designed for monetization, I think. These channels have millions and millions of views. They compiling really popular content. But then when you put that on an individual level, like an Instagram curator, it seems to me like um, that perhaps is less monetized. But do you think there is still some kind of like benefit or advantage that people are trying to gain? This is like the cynic in me being like, it must have been for nefarious purposes. What's <laughs> the nefarious purpose? Well, let's talk a little bit about that idea of like the the stealing of the content for another platform and without an attribution because it has actually happened with a lot of platforms in the past. And I'm speaking specifically of Instagram. I think the biggest Instagram curation accounts that readers would have probably heard of are accounts, and I'm sorry for swearing, it's in the account name, (laughs) but Fuck Jerry, which has 16 million followers, and The Fat Jew, which has 10 million followers. So both of these accounts got popular, I'd say like maybe five, six, seven, eight years ago by freeloading. It's called freeloading. It's basically screenshotting and then re-uploading funny tweets or memes other people have made without permission or payment and at least until they were both called out for it without attribution as well. Do you guys follow any of these accounts? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't follow either of them, but the one that keeps coming up on at least my Facebook is Lad Bible, who also do the exact same thing. So this is something that's happened in Mm. lots of different Mm. accounts. I think this was kind of, yeah, this was the conversation that that happened around these Instagram accounts as well, the the Fuck Jerry's and the Fat Jewish, which was that both of those two accounts ended up apologising for not crediting the sources and promising to credit them in future. And in the case of fuck Jerry, they actually also promised to find the original creator of each meme because that's the other thing as as well, right? Like you can credit where you found the meme, but where you found the meme might not have been the person who actually created the meme. So what fuck Jerry's founder, Elliot Tabele said was that he would find the original creator and ask them for permission in the future. So everything that they post now has to have permission from the original creator for this account to post it. But a comedian, Akila Hughes, wrote at the time of this controversy in 2019, it's actually not just about the credit, it's about compensation. So, I mean, are these people on Instagram going to end up having to pay compensation to TikTok in order to mine TikTok's creatives or are they going to have to pay the creatives themselves? One thing that TikTok does get better than the stolen meme accounts of yore is they get attribution right. So when you download a TikTok, the super easy way, the name of the creator is burned into that video file so everyone can tell where it came from and who made it. But the thing that's much harder to figure out is compensation. You can't put a value on the clout that someone gets from finding something funny and reposting it. And moreover, it's not hard to imagine a case where someone borrows something from TikTok, uses it in a sponsored post, and the original creator isn't even paid. That's technically a violation of the terms and services of that platform, but it's also bloody hard to police if something's going to disappear after 24 hours, and no one involved really has the impetus to police it that well. 
I'm wondering if the rise of these people curating the best of the platforms in a way that is actually specific to you, because these are people you have gone out, sought out and followed, is this a reaction against the algorithm? Oh, I think there's a couple things to it, right? Like I think there's the whole like herd mentality, which you all play, which we all play into. If you see someone that you think is cool and they share content that they think is cool, you're like, oh, that's cool. I want to consume that content. Yeah, it's so old school. It's It's just the same thing that happens again. And then I think like I have this thing as well, which is like very like, oh, do I want to get like another app? And like, do I want to like, you know, give all my information to this other app? Like I'm sure they have it already somehow, but like it's kind of like this movement away from it. Like you don't want to be monetized yourself. Mm. I think it's definitely a backlash against the algorithm because particularly on Facebook and Instagram, the thing that their algorithm is designed to optimise is time spent on site. And the way that they've decided to do that is through something that psychologists call an unpredictable reward cycle, kind of like a slot machine where you pull the lever and maybe you'll see an adorable puppy or that your friend from high school is getting married, or maybe you'll see a bunch of boring garbage and you'll have to go 40 scrolls deep before you see something that's going to give you that little hit of joy. And that's kind of how they keep you on by actually interspersing stuff that you genuinely care about and think is interesting with just a bunch of mediocrity. So you keep scrolling. Whereas if you go to a curator's page specifically, ideally, nine in 10 of the things that they're showing you are going to be good. Or just deeply cursed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I've got to go. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rashna. Bye. Thanks so much for having me. We're going to go take a break, but when we come back, I'm going to share a meme that my friends have been using to troll me. I'm going to find out if Seven Alex feel personally attacked too. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard. But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. I guess while we're on the topic of stolen content, we have stolen our next segment from ourselves. We're going to be doing this semi-regularly whenever we have something that kind of fits. It's called Explain It To Me Quickly, named after a Guardian Australian column, in which we get someone to explain something that's extremely online that we don't understand to us very quickly. I am deeply excited, but also deeply nervous to be sharing this with you because this is a meme I've brought in today, which was sent to me multiple times over the weekend as a drag of me and my personal (laughs) 
interiors style. Oh, so you're explaining that you're being bullied to us. Exactly. This is actually a therapy session. Roll the meme. (laughs) Now, I know you can't see this right now, so I'm going to tell you exactly what Steph and Alex are actually looking at. It's absolute chaos. I would even call it a shitpost, like we talked about with Rushna earlier. But it's essentially a compilation of eight different pictures of homewares arranged in a very, very chaotic collage and written across it in bold text on top and bottom. And, you know, sorry for swearing, but it's in a quote, so it's unavoidable. It says, if your house looks like this, shut the fuck up. I'm going to tell you what's in each of these images. So there's a shelf with some very oddly shaped plastic vases in lime green and orange. There's a curving cloud-shaped couch and a very voluptuous pink chair that is just ripe for sitting. There's a checkered pastel bedspread. There's a mirror in there in squishy, fleshy pink foam. Michael, what's... What's the other thing? Is that also a mirror? The other squishy pink thing? It's also a very wiggly, squiggly mirror, but far from homemade, like the foam mirror. It's actually called the Ultra Fregola, and it's a cult item from the 70s um, that now retails for around $15,000. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a lot of squiggles here, too, because the bottom left are these candles that look like squiggles that have been turned into candles, and just a lot of squiggles. I'd call, I'd call this aesthetic elevated nursery. <laughs> I want to know whether you guys own any of these things. Telling yourselves. I, I can safely say I do not own much of this. I would say that my aesthetic is embarrassingly more like a bed threads ad. My my look is not the same as this. So like all of these plants are plastic. The squiggly candles I've been advertised on Instagram, but I don't own candles because I don't like dusting. <laughs> look, it's there's something about it that is seductive to me, but not so seductive that I've actually spent money on it. I feel like you are exposing my shortcomings as someone who is often uh, targeted by Instagram ads and then goes on to actually buy things from Instagram (laughs) ads. I would go so far as to say that this is the Instagramization of interior design. There have been so many new Instagram retailers which have just exploded over the past year. And I think a reason for that definitely is because, you know, we're spending much more time indoors. People are turning to their interiors as even safer havens and spaces to show off. So, Michael, what I want to know is we kind of, we see the trend, we recognise it. Why do people who have a house that looks like this need to shut the fuck up? I think because the overwhelming stereotype of someone who would own a house like this and these products. I think the stereotype is that this is someone who thinks they have really elevated, unique taste. They're the not like other girls, quote unquote, um, of interior design. But in actuality, this is a very homogenized interior design that's been advertised to them by Instagram ads, by influencers, by a lot of these Instagram retailers who are peddling these wares. I mean, it doesn't help that we're like, zooming into each other's bedrooms like every day now because we're all working from home and I'm like saying this realizing that in the background of Michael's Zoom right now is a bed that looks not dissimilar to the bedding featured in the meme. Oh my god it's the exact same bedding (laughs) it is the same bed cover is that Kip and Co babe? (laughs) (laughs) It is the exact same bed cover it is from a brand called Deuce and Deuce and another sponsorship for our podcast that doesn't exist yet. (laughs) Um, One thing that I'm really keen to talk about as well is 
you know, everything goes back to TikTok, as we were saying earlier with Rushnell. <laughs> but this is an aesthetic that's prevalent on both Instagram and TikTok. And especially you're seeing a lot of DIY furniture content on TikTok that doesn't have everyone too pleased, particularly this foam trend. I mean, a foam mirror is one thing. What's a foam mirror? A foam mirror is a mirror that's been covered with expandable spray foam and then painted in a pastel color normally. Oh. But now it's expanded beyond just foam mirrors into other kinds of foam furniture that definitely have some people maybe rightfully riled, I'd say. I'm talking like there are thousands of videos where you see people find, you know, a piece of furniture on the street that could be actually a very nice piece of vintage furniture and then completely just destroy it by covering it with spray foam and painting it a hideous shade of pink or purple. Upcycle this office chair with me. Lots and lots of foam. And it has people, you know, mourning the loss of our ability to appreciate furniture for what it is and cover it with foam. (laughs) There was also, oh my God, I saw this like moral panic a couple of months ago about influencers making foam furniture tutorials, but they were doing it in these unventilated rooms (laughs) and people are like, you're going to gas yourself. (laughs) Because the foam fumes are so toxic. Wow. It's toxic in in every sense of the word. One other thing that people have been comparing this design aesthetic to or drawing influence from very critically is I actually saw this this meme posted on one of my favourite shitposting (laughs) accounts with satirical language that says, curvy lines and a muted palette suggest to me an inability to let go of Frankie magazine craftnoon culture. More, con- more concerning still, it could be a sign of raging self-infantilization, which goes back to Alex, what you said about the enhanced nursery look of this image. On that haunting note, let's move to matters of taste that are a little bit brighter. Our top of the list this week. Steph, what are you obsessed with right now? So I feel like mine is a um, a very popular show, I thought, until I started talking about it and realised a lot of very smart, uh, tapped-in people hadn't been watching it. It's the show Insecure. It's just launched its fifth and final season, which you can watch on Binge. It's Issa Rae's like, love letter to LA and female friendship and giving yourself pep talks in the mirror. And it's just a really beautiful, fun sweet show that has been getting better and better as it's progressed and is about to end. So now is the perfect time to catch up. Michael, what about you? I'm keeping in the family and I'm recommending Anne Ding's new breakfast column um, in The Guardian itself, uh, specifically because she writes about an eggplant fate for her first recipe. And she's a very dear friend of mine, which means I am going to be pushing the friendship by asking her to make this for me. So mine is an album, uh, which just recently came out. It is Prioritise Pleasure by Self-Esteem. And we've got a great interview with her on The Guardian this week. And the reason I love this album so much is because she was one of the last people I saw live before I left London. And she's just the most joyful, funny, kind of getting out of lockdown and feeling yourself vibes. Put it on. Amazing. Thanks so much for listening. Google Save for Later and sign up for our weekly newsletter. And then if you like, Google it again. You'll find this episode on the Guardian's page and our show notes where you can click off to some of the links we mentioned. Thank you for joining us on this noble experiment.
This podcast was produced by Miles Herbert. The music for this episode was handcrafted by Joe Koning. And the executive producers for this podcast are Miles Martignoni and Gabrielle Jackson. Blame them, not us. <laughs> <laughs>